And then we went into, you got the Jordan rules, and we, I'm calling now from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his. Anytime he came to the hole, elbows, filling them, love taps. We touched them. We in the head, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. So I show those guys Jordan getting his whooped. Uh, that is new head Raiders head coach Antonio Pierce uh, talking about, I, I don't know, I guess the formula that he's going to use to beat the Chiefs. Before we get to Matt Verderam, uh, just a quick reminder, uh, I am here live, Nick Erie, live at Batavia Downs Raceway here in Batavia. And at the Legends and Stars show, uh, Don Beebe and Keith McKellar uh, still up on stage here for another 20 minutes or so. Then Dave Anderchuk, Wendell Clark. Daryl Sittler and Lawrence Taylor, Pepper Johnson as well uh, in the one o'clock hour. So a lot of great uh, former athletes, uh, professional athletes up here. Dave Anderchuk, obviously a um, longtime Buffalo Sabre and great. Uh, will be up at uh, up at the stage here in the next little while. Uh, so if you're looking to come down, show is 10 to 4 today. Kids 12 and under are free. Admission is $10 and you get $10 back in free uh, gameplay over on the gaming floor. So Feel free, come by, stop by, say hi. I am uh, over here near the autograph station and uh, happy to chat. So let's go to the back to the Western Hotline because my good buddy, Matt Verderam, joins me. He's an NFL staff writer over at SI Now and uh, someone I used to have on the show all the time when I was doing Sports Talk Saturday regularly. Matt, it's good to talk to you, buddy. Hope all is well. Hey, how are you doing? You know, uh, just hanging out and... Still licking my wounds a little bit. I'm glad, to, you know, this is the thing I appreciate about you. You know, you could have came on, you could have said, Nate, you know, good to talk to you, buddy. It must have been a tough end of the season, you know, talk about the Super Bowl and all. But you don't do that. That's, that's, that's why we like you around here, Matt. Well, I mean, I feel like you'd have to be a monster to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, just believe me, like, everybody looks at the Chiefs now, and obviously they are who they are, but, like, yeah. I'm 35 years old. Most of my life, was Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown at that game. So yeah. I I sympathize. I'm a Knicks fan. Like, yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah, I'm a Knicks fan too. But, you know, hey, brighter days for them maybe. Um, yeah, actually you know, good. You know, Matt, like I, it's, I think that here in Buffalo, you know, the, the Chiefs are kind of just the team that, that are stopping right now the Bills from getting to the point that they've been trying to get to, which is to a Super Bowl, much less win a Super Bowl. Um, but I, I do think, you know, this is a really interesting offseason for the Chiefs because, listen, I mean, Brett Veach to me is the best general manager in football. He understands the cap better than just about anybody. Um, he His drafting really after the Clyde Edwards-Alaire debacle, uh, his drafts have been fantastic. And, I mean, you have LeJarrius Sneed right now who's, going to be a free agent this offseason. We'll talk about him in a minute. But, I mean, he is, in my estimation, if he's not a top two or three corner in the league, he's top five. Uh, you're not going to name four other guys better than Legereus Sneed. So, you know, the drafting's been there. And now this gets to be the part of every GM's uh, tenure where it's now retaining the good players you draft. And I want to start with Chris Jones first and foremost because – 
you know, this it sort of feels a little like Tyreek, right? Where Tyreek's a future Hall of Famer, there's no doubt about it. Um, when they traded him, it was, okay, well, the Chiefs dynasty's over, and, uh, you know, they're not going to win again, and what are you doing trading your best player, Hall of Famer, maybe one of the best and most dynamic receivers to ever play the game? And, you know, they win two straight after that. So um, what is the decision here looming for the Chiefs? Is it a decision at all, um, or is it, in your mind, you, you have to do whatever, whatever means necessary to keep Chris Jones, who right now, you know, right with Aaron Donald, I think is going to go down as the two best, um, you know, interior defensive linemen of the era. Yeah, you know, it's really, it's interesting because I think at the outset of the season, everybody in Kansas City felt like, well, they've got to keep Jones. If they let Snead walk, well, that's, that's fine. And then Snead became, I know he wasn't named an all-pro corner, but an all-pro caliber corner this year. And then it was like, all right, well, they, they, they need to keep him. He's in his mid-20s, and he's going to be cheaper than Jones, and Jones is going to be 30 in July, and just kind of that rhetoric. And then the playoffs happened, and everything happened, and everybody was like, well, now they got to keep both of them. Like, you got to figure it out. Now, of course, yeah. that's not going to be easy. They can do it. Like, right now they're sitting at about $17, 18000000 in space. They have Mahomes' contract, which they can restructure and save $37 million. So that's a lever they've pulled before. They don't pull it every year. They've, they've, they have done it. MVS, they're going to cut. They're going to save $12 million there. And then Justin Reed, I don't, I, I'd be shocked if they cut him, but I could see them extending him. He's got like a $14 million cap. Hit. They could have probably lowered with an extension of like six. So the money's there. The question essentially, though, is if you tag Jones, it's $32 million because he's been tagged already. If you tag Snead, it's, it's basically $20 million. My thought and just understanding some things in that building is they're going to try to get Jones done as fast as humanly possible so then they can tag Snead and have them both. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen. Jones has the leverage right now. I would say that Jones is the priority for them because they have McDuffie and they have Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams is a nice young corner, but they they really, I, I think if they would tell you, they really would like to find a way to keep them both and then kind of fish shore up the offense in the draft. But, you know, that's, not, that's easier said than done. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I, I think it's, it's interesting to me to, listen, every year uh, when a team wins, all of a sudden you have a new blueprint, right? And some of the takes I've, I, I have just found absolutely hilarious to me, which is, uh, I think I saw a take a couple weeks ago that, well, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl without a big-name wide receiver, so is that going to be the new thing, that teams are not going to pay receivers now because the Chiefs won without a big receiver? And I'm like, yeah, what? I mean, first and foremost, uh, does your team have Patrick Mahomes? Because if it doesn't, then you should have receivers. Um, but secondarily, I think people watched the Super Bowl and really watched the, the, the playoff run for the Chiefs and said and saw like how good that defense was, and maybe we're swinging back back to should we be building on the defensive side of the ball to try to slow teams down like I think the Chiefs did and, and really for the better part of the regular season that defense carried them um, but Matt like in, in your opinion is wide receivers still like number one gotta add need more dynamic playmakers because Rasheed Rice really came along well for this Chiefs team but they didn't spend necessarily premium it wasn't a first round pick but I, I think like with Rasheed Rice, maybe that's the kind of guy that they look at again this year, another second-rounder, a third-rounder, a day-two guy that can come in and they can develop because they're showing, Matt, they can develop at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I think they'll definitely use a top 75 pick, so probably a first or second-rounder. I would think they're top two picks, and of course, like you never know how the draft board falls, but like I would, I would think 
going into the draft, their top two targets are going to be a tackle and a receiver. I, I think those are the two things. Now, that being like the caveat to that is Chris Jones. If they lose Chris Jones, their defensive tackle room is you and me. Okay, so like that would, <laughs> that would drastically alter the plans. But if they have Chris Jones, then I think it becomes left tackle. Donovan Smith, I, would, I, I don't think will be back. It's not impossible, but my, my guess is I don't lean the other way. They drafted Juan Day Morris in the third round last year. He played a few games. He was pretty good. He actually played the game against the Bills in the regular season. He did fine. I think he'll compete for the starting job, and I think they'll bring another tackle to compete with him. And then a receiver, yeah. Look, it's Rice, and it's a bunch of guys who are hood ornaments. Like, it's not – I mean, yeah. it's Justin Watson, and it's maybe McCall Hardman, although he's a free agent. And it's, you know, maybe Richie James, and he's a free agent. Uh, I, I do not think Kadarius Tony will ever play another down in Kansas City. Um, Sky Moore might come back. But at, he would be a flyer at this point. They're not going to rely on him. So, yeah, I think definitely as long as Jones is back, I think receiver is far and away the number one thing. And to your point, by the way, like, yeah, everybody's, everybody's not copying the idea of, hey, don't have a receiver. They did not have the idea of let's not have right. a receiver. And just hope, I mean, they thought, hey, Tony and Moore are going to step up, and they didn't. And the thing that bailed out the Chiefs was in the, it, the defense basically became the 85 Bears in the playoffs. But, that, I mean, they, they, were not, uh, they, they were not going into the season thinking, hey, we don't need receivers, we're fine. It just kind of shook out that way. Yeah, and I agree. Like, the idea that, you know, maybe you don't need a receiver as the Chiefs are out here looking for receivers, I just, I just found to be incredibly funny. You know, and, and you're talking a lot about uh, Snead and, and, you know, obviously one of the best young corners in football right now. You know, the, the Chiefs, I think, are a team and a franchise that when you look at, they've known when to walk away from guys or, like, how to prioritize which guy to keep, and I think that's what makes them uniquely qualified right now to make the decision that they're going to be they're going to be forced to make between you know Jones, Snead, or both. You know they let Traverius Ward walk a couple of years ago, and he got paid big by the San Francisco 49ers. And look at they were able to restock and retool. Um, and you talked about Trent McDuffie. Uh, you know I think there's probably a little bit of, of bitterness here in Buffalo because I know that that was the guy Brandon Bean was really looking forward to um, having an opportunity to, to pick and was probably willing to move up for. But the Chiefs. You know, swooped in, moved in front of the Bills and got him, and Bills drafted Kyrie Elam, and the rest is history, and, and here we are. So, um, you know, w- would you say that you know, of, of any team in the NFL that, that Brett Veach and, and this Chiefs organization really do a good job prioritizing and finding who they need to keep and maybe who they're willing to let walk? They do. I mean, look, they're not perfect. Uh, you know, I, I would suspect that if they could rescind the four-year and $80 million contract they gave to Juwan Taylor, they probably would. I mean, Taylor played better as the year went on, but he still he took a million penalties and struggled at times at the chip. But, I mean, yeah, for the most part, yes. I would say the most underrated thing with the Chiefs is their, their entirety of their coaching staff. Like, everybody knows about Reed. They know about Spagnuolo. But, like, the position coaches, they are amazing at just finding guys who fit roles. Like, they, they don't always draft the most talented guy. They draft the guy who they think is going to come in and fit a specific role, and he's going to thrive in that role. And an example of that is a guy like Jamari Connor, who most fans are like, who? He was a fourth-round pick out of Virginia. They drafted him. I remember speaking to somebody in the organization who said, look, he's one of the best special teams prospects we've ever seen. Like, we're taking him like, because of that. And by the end of the season, he was a starting safety because Brian Cook got hurt, Mike Edwards got hurt, actually got hurt in the Bills game in the playoffs. And Connor was playing a ton down the stretch, and – 
They were matching him up in the Super Bowl times one-on-one with George Kittle, and he was fine. Like, it wasn't overwhelming, but they, you know, Connor was a guy when they took him, a lot of people thought, oh, they kind of reach on him. But they saw a specific role, and they're like, this guy can play a little slot, he can play a little free safety, and he's a great special teams player. They're just they're very good at doing that. They're very good at finding guys who they think are going to fit their program, and then they have these assistant coaches like Dave Merritt in the secondary and Brendan Daly at linebacker and Andy Heck on the offensive line who just they coach them up, they fit the schemes, and they go. And so, you know, that allows them to have an offseason like they did two years ago where not only did they trade away Tyreek Hill, they lost Tyron Matthew and Charvarius Ward and replaced them all with rookies essentially and then went and won the Super Bowl. Like that was their – they didn't go out and, like, sign a whole bunch of big-ticket free agents. They, they signed Juju, and they drafted a bunch of guys, and that's how they replaced them. Yeah, and, you know, interestingly enough, listen, I'm still at a loss at why and how, why and how Steve Spagnuolo hasn't had an opportunity to be a head coach again. I know it didn't really go well the first time, but right. – and, and obviously the league is more so – you know, leaning towards these young offensive play callers. Um, but I'm, I'm just, he, to me, I was doing this exercise last week. I was filling in on the radio, and we were talking about, you know, like what's the real difference between the Chiefs and the Bills? And, you know, quarterback is, it's close. It's probably the closest of any matchup that, that Patrick Mahomes is going to go up against is, is, is yeah. Josh Allen and, and Joe Burrow. They're the two closest guys to, to Patrick Mahomes. But I think the area that the Chiefs really have, have, beaten the Bills outside of the Bills defense never being able to show up against the Chiefs is coaching and whether it's Andy Reid going head-to-head you know uh, offense v defense and Sean McDermott in being able to win um, or Steve Spagnuolo out or you know out coaching whatever offensive coaches here um, short of the you know 13 seconds game where felt like the Bills couldn't do anything wrong but Brad, Brad Sorenston was also in the defensive backfield so something to keep in mind um, I, like I, I think about Spagnuolo and I think about him being a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator i mean three super bowls right i mean this guy is going to be go down as one of the best defensive play callers ever and yet he isn't even getting an interview i what is it just at this point because of his age and you know the time in the league and it's just not something the team's going to do but it's it's it reminds me a little bit of leslie frazier uh, he's not really getting looks anymore and he's been a great coach but spags is to me as a hall of fame play caller yeah and, and you're right and he's won yeah he's won three in kansas city and he won the one against get defeated pass team in then 07 with the Giants. So he is, he's the only assistant coach on either side. Well, the coordinator. The only coordinator ever to win four Super Bowls, offensive or defensive. I, uh, I agree <laughs> with you. Look, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I really, he is, I mean, you think about the teams they've beaten in the Super Bowl. They've beaten the two Niners teams, the Eagles, and the undefeated Pats team. Like, those are the teams he shut down. And <laughs> other than the Eagles, yeah. none of those teams have scored 20 points in regulation. Like, it, I mean, it's been, it's been incredible. No, I think the one, the biggest, for me anyway, with the Chiefs and the Bills, and, and I agree with you. Everything you said about the quarterbacks, I, I think the biggest difference has been in the playoffs. The Bills' defense has been really good in the regular season, but in the playoffs they have just, they've struggled in these games. Yeah. And the Chiefs' defense hasn't. And I think the, to pinpoint it further is the pass rush. I mean, at some yep. point, like in these games, if you're going to beat Mahomes or Burrow or you know, fill in the blank, C.J. Stroud at some point here, you've got, you got to get home. You just have to. Like, I don't care how good your coverages are. How, like, it, it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but, like, against those quarterbacks, if you don't harass those guys, you're losing, period. And I know, like, you look at those big calls in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs, the third and four, the one at the end of regulation, the one in overtime, the, what did the Chiefs do in both They just blitzed. 
just get yep. hell of it. Like we're we're coming after you, and you're, we're going to force you to make a throw. And against Lamar Jackson, the AFC title game. I mean, the Chiefs just relentlessly blitzed him in that game. They just basically said, "We're playing cover zero, cover one, beat us." And you know what? It's hard to do that. Like I don't it care is. who you are as a court when you've got six, seven guys just blitzing you every other play. It's the hard thing, and it also starts to put it in your head, even when they're not blitzing. Well, are they going to blitz? Am I missing it? Where is it coming from? I think that is the biggest difference. Is you know, in this day and age, so many teams are terrified to blitz good quarterbacks. But like, if you've got the corners to do it, and that of course is the one thing the Chiefs have been able to do with Steve McDuff. Like, you just go after the other team, and it's it's something Spagnuolo leans into. They're not afraid to be aggressive and take a chance, and it, and it has really benefited them. Matt Verderam here on the West Her Hotline. He's a staff writer over at SA Now. He also just started a new podcast, the Matt Verderam Show. Um, so you can check that out. He's on Twitter at Matt Verderam, V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. Matt, um, let's talk about the Ravens. Holy cow. Um, yeah. I, I feel like maybe they are not getting enough criticism. I, I, I know that people were critical, but it, it was like kind of the next week, Super Bowl, and people have sort of just forgot about the Ravens. And... I, you know, whether it was the offensive game plan, I mean, the least amount of rushing attempts in the in their season in that game, after watching what the Bills were able to do for three quarters against the Chiefs, and then basically were trying to beat the Chiefs at their strength, which is through the yeah. air. And, and listen, you know, I don't know where you fall on the, the Lamar Jackson MVP, you know, conversation. I, I You know, personally, being, you know, here in Buffalo, I, I, I did I think Josh Allen deserved the MVP? Maybe not, but I think he deserved more than one vote. And I certainly don't think that Aaron Schatz deserved all of the criticism that he was getting for the only guy voting for Josh Allen because I, I do think it was much closer than it should have been. But wherever that award is now, it's not really about the best player. It's about the best player on the team with the best record. Um, but, like, you know, I, I view what he did in the playoffs or what he wasn't able to do in the playoffs and, and how that team approached that game plan, I, I just think deserves tons of criticism uh, for a team that really from the, you know, basically from week five on really looked to be the class of the AFC and they just did not show at home against the Chiefs team that, you know, frankly, going into that game, if you weren't confident as a Ravens fan, I, I think every Ravens fan thought they were going to go into that game and beat the Chiefs because um, they were going to do what they do. And then they – this is the one thing, Matt, that about the Chiefs and about Steve Spagnuolo is they make you get away from what you do really well. And I think they did that better than any team was able to do against the Ravens all year. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Nate. Honestly, as someone who's followed the Chiefs my whole life, I was, I was more um, – skeptical of the Chiefs' chances in Buffalo than I was in Baltimore. Mm. I thought once they beat Buffalo, I thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. I just thought, to me, you you respect the Bills almost more. In fact, not almost. I do respect the Bills more because Allen is is a more terrifying prospect than facing Jackson. Jackson's terrific. He doesn't throw the ball the way Allen does. And secondly... The Bills, they're not afraid of the Chiefs. Like, I know, I understand they're on three in the playoffs against them, but they've beaten them. They've beaten them in game. And, like, that 13 seconds game, look, I get it. Like, they, they fell apart in the end. But, like, the, the Bills, they put, that to me, honestly, is the best football game I've ever seen. Like, the Bills, they, they showed, hey, look, we, we can go toe to toe. The Baltimore game, I thought from jump was a weird game. Like, just even in pregame warm ups, like Justin yeah. Tucker and all, you're like, man. That's not a good idea. Like, that's just, you're poking the bear, and there's no reason to do it. 
And then the game starts, and the Chiefs immediately came out and on their first two possessions scored two touchdowns. And I think, and I thought in the, in the moment, I think now, I think it just spooked Baltimore. Yeah. I think it just freaked them out. That, like, oh, my God, we're, we got to get into a shootout with them. We can't stop them. And, they gotta, and the Chiefs kept putting eight guys in the box. And I still think if you're Munkin, like, run the ball. Run the football. Like, just still, that, that's what you do. And they, they, I think the Chiefs, with their alignments, they, they just they got Baltimore to start throwing. And I can guarantee you the Chiefs were thrilled to death when Baltimore started just throwing time and time again. Um, I also, one thing about that game, you, you know, you mentioned a lot about Spagnuolo. I thought it was fascinating. I've never seen a coach do this before. Almost every play, they played with two spies. They put one on either side of either guard, and they just sat there. And were like, look, you're not running. You're not going to run. Like, you're not getting out of the pocket. You're going to throw the football. And there were a lot of times that he looked to run, and he couldn't. There was nowhere to go. They trusted their corners one-on-one. But I thought Baltimore in that game, as much as I thought, yes, the Chiefs won it, they made the plays, five personal fouls for the Ravens, they just fell apart. Like, it almost was – I would – that of any playoff game in this run for the Chiefs, to me that was the game where I looked at it and just said experience won that game. Because Baltimore just panicked. They started to lose their cool. And the Chiefs basically were like, that's fine. If you want to hit us late, that's fine. If you want to hit Mahomes high, that's fine. Like, we'll take the 15 yards and we'll move down the field. I thought Baltimore, you know, Lamar's interception at the end of that game. Oh, I mean, for the three terrible. guys. Like, it's yeah. one of those throws the second he threw it, you're like, he's getting intercepted. You know, I mean, Sneed punches the ball out with flowers at the goal line. Like, it was just, it was a game where you could tell which team had been there a lot. And yep. which team had never been there. And I, I thought that showed a lot that afternoon. All right, last thing I have for you, Matt. Antonio Pierce. He's, he, listen, if anything else, at least the Raiders are fun now. Because yeah. Yeah. the last couple of years with, uh, you know, McDaniels, it's just was, it, it was like, it, it was like going to the dentist watching them play football. Um, so at least yeah. for now, the trash talking will be here. And, and Max Crosby and him together, man, it'll be fun. And obviously, they, they've got a lot of, they they have they have a lot of room to get better. They're not going to be a particularly good roster this year, especially if they're going in with Aiden O'Connell. But um, you like the trash talk, like is it is it you know you're poking the bear a little bit, but also like what else do they have to lose? They they're not going to probably win a lot of football games. So you might as well be fun. I um I love it. So this has been going on with these teams for a little while, like a handful of years ago, 2020. The Raiders went in, they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. It was the only game the Chiefs lost all year, other than a, a meaningless Week 17 game. And John Gruden, who was the coach at the time, drove around the stadium in a bus and was honking the horn. And, and, <laughs> and the Chiefs didn't lose to them for years after that. Yeah, yeah. And then they showed up a couple years later, and they were stomping on the logo at midfield before the game, and the Chiefs beat them 47 to 7. <laughs> and so, like, now we have this where you're talking as you played at the beginning of this, like the Jordan Rules thing. I would bet anybody any amount of money that the first time they play next year, Mahomes rolls into the stadium in a Jordan uniform and then proceeds to probably throw for about 400 yards. Yeah, like it, right. It, it, listen, I get it. If you're Pierce, hey, look, look, to their credit, they went in on Christmas and they earholed Kansas City in a way that, honestly, I think is the, one of the biggest reasons they ended up winning the Super Bowl. I think it really kind of woke them up. In fact, I mean, they've talked about it publicly and privately, how much that game mattered to them. Um, if you're Pierce, you got to do something. I mean, at this point, the Chiefs have more playoff wins in Vegas than the Raiders do. Like, I mean, at, at some, there was actually a stat that I couldn't believe, but it is true. 
Mahomes and Reed, as a quarterback-coach tandem, have won more games at Allegiant Stadium than any other QB coach tandem, including anybody from the Raiders. Oh, my God. So if you're Pierce, you might as well do something different because nothing else is working. That's right, yeah. And, you know, they've, they've got a little bit of money and cap space, and we'll see if, you know, Mark Davis spends it. Um, but, yeah, I, fields, right? Yeah. Like, I, and I'm not even, like, a huge fields guy, but, like, my either. God, like, like, Justin Fields, I, I have him over Aiden O'Connell. Like, try. Do something. Like, I, you know. It would be shot. fun. It'd be electric uh, if they get, got Fields. I even think Kirk Cousins would make sense for them because you know he makes oh, a yeah. pop, but he'd be yeah. the best quarterback they've had since I don't know. You know, oh. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Rich Cannon. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Maybe Carson Palmer year one, but uh, yeah. yeah, Matt. Li- yeah. Listen, buddy, I appreciate you as always. It's good catching up. Uh, love the insight. Glad to see you uh, from the Matt Verderam show uh, taking off. And uh, tell the folks where else they could find you and uh, and and you know on Twitter and what you got coming up here. Yeah, on Twitter, as always, at Matt Verderam, uh, on there all the time. I actually just did a, a show uh, a couple days ago on One Bills Live with, uh, with Steve Tasker and company, which was great. Got to, got to speak with them. And, uh, yeah, but you can find all my stuff on SI.com, at Matt Verderam on Twitter, uh, Matt Verderam on Patreon. You can, you can find me all over. I'm everywhere. All right, buddy. Appreciate you, and uh, enjoy your weekend and uh, the, the combine and draft coming up. Lots of uh, content on the rise, my friend. I'll be there. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. Matt Verderam there of SI Now, staff writer over at SI on the Western Hotline talking some Chiefs with me. It's time for a timeout. I'm Nick Erie live from Batavia Downs Raceway and Casino at the Legends and Stars show here at uh, the Batavia Downs uh, show floor, which is to the left uh, when you walk in. Admissions and uh, registration is upstairs when you walk in. 1230 now, which means uh, Daryl Sittler uh, is up on stage with Wendell. Clark and Dave Andertruck. Andertruck and Clark will be on stage until 1 p.m. And then uh, we got LT Lawrence Taylor and Pepper Johnson at the 1 o'clock hour headed up on stage as well. And from the Sopranos, Joe Pantoli- uh, Patoliano uh, will be up on stage as well. And as a reminder, today the show floor is open until 4 p.m. Tomorrow the show floor opens back up at 10 a.m. Goes till 3 on Sunday. Kids, 12 and under free. And admission is $10 with a $10 uh, uh, voucher back and free play on the gaming floor. Nate Geary here live from Batavia Downs. Timeout. Other side, Ryan Hasenauer is going to join me. And uh, we'll talk more about the show going on and everything else here at Batavia Downs here on WGR. Comes to the near boards and it's taken by Gergensens. He'll send it to the net. Scores! Did that go off Kyle Opozo in front? Sabres have tied it at one with 3.44 to go here in the opening period. Gergensen threw it to the net. He's first in line. Welcome back. Nick Erie here live at Batavia Downs for the Legends of Stars show. I've got Ryan Hasenauer back next to me. Syracuse basketball is on up on the TVs. There are 100, maybe an exaggeration, but there are 100 TVs in here. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of TVs here. It's nice uh, entertainment for the folks that are in line in front of us. As they, uh, let's see, Don Beebe's winding down, or he might be done now. Keith, Keith McCowan, Dave Andrechuk's up there. Yep. Wendell Clark, if you're a Leafs fan. 
Not too many Leafs fans, maybe, but no. uh, yeah. Short drive for them, though. You, you know, know we did some good. advertising in Southern Ontario with that uh, the old Facebook there, Nate, doing some of the Facebook advertising to get people down here. So I'm sure, and I've seen a lot of people wearing Leafs stuff here today. So they did. The, the message got through. The message people got through. Yeah, they're here. So uh, yeah, it's a Jim Beheim day in Syracuse, and they are showing up for the old ball coach, thirty-eight sixteen. Yes, it's uh, they're up. I think twenty-four to nine at one point. It was really a they're, they're, it's a bloodbath. They're playing away there, so it's. Uh, Nothing like being in that dome. I was there for GMAX last game. That was a great experience, and I've been to some other smaller uh, attended games. But, boy, what a unique, exciting thing they have there at the dome yes. in Syracuse. You know, it just, it's really an atmosphere uh, unlike any other place. It's been a few years since I've been back at the dome. I think I went to Syracuse Duke. Oh, Five years ago, maybe. I bet that was a treat. Take. Oh, it was a treat. They lost, but it was, sure. a, it was a treat. Yeah, it's... um. You know, the Dome is, is unbelievable. And now that they're starting to sort of get their footing back with Adrian Autry as the new head coach and the, mm-hmm. the Bayheim era over. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. Like, they, they had Carmelo up there. I'm just telling you, like, I was a big collector of Carmelo Anthony jerseys, right. um, both in college and then when he – went to the NBA, I became a big Denver Nuggets fan. Oh, sure. Um, so I started collecting Denver Nuggets jerseys. And if you know anything about especially, like, the mid-2000s into the teens, um, Denver had some unbelievable jerseys. Oh and then gosh, they used to yeah. do the throwbacks to yellow with the Denver and the mountain the range. The cityscape with, like, yep. all the different colors. The baby so blue. So, classic. like, they just yeah. they had some really good jerseys. And uh, when the Nuggets signed Allen Iverson. Yes. And they had Allen Iverson, Marcus Camby, and uh, Carmelo Anthony. I had all th- J.R. Smith also. had I had a Marcus Camby. um uh, alternate yellow uh, Nuggets jersey. You were telling me about uh, a Carmel Anthony jersey that you found at a thrift store. Yes, for like like thirty bu- or twenty bucks. I found yeah. that Camby jersey at a thrift store. Oh my god! And it was like the legit mesh one. Yeah. The, like the big NBA logo, classics NBA logo oh, on the like bottom. Hardwood classics. And, yeah, and right. I just think that because it was such a, it was a bright yellow. Like right. it was that. It was. It was like toxic yellow color you know like <laughs> you gotta um, be a certain person to be able to pull that correct off. so right. i think that's why i was on shelf but that had a great ai jersey and carmelo so you know outside of you know the reason we're talking about this is here on the show floor i think a lot of people that listen the card industry has turned into just an insane frenzy of yes uh you know i, I as a kid i used to collect cards and you know, I don't want to say that ever went away, but it has never been as popular as it, as it is right now. But this show isn't just for people that are looking to buy cards or talk to people who are collectors. This There is a lot of things for a lot of different people at this show. It's not just, you know, trading cards. It's not just um, necessarily memorabilia. This is one of the more unique shows that I've ever been to in what they have on the floor. It's There is something for everybody. There really is. And, you know, as people, we were just having this conversation with Bridget, our, our uh, rep to the stars here from Odyssey. Uh, Bridget's here with us. And, you know, we were just talking about, like, you know, house stuff and, you know, like, oh, finishing basement and having a, yep. having a, a fan cave or whatever. Else. Now, my fan cave down in my basement, I have the TVs. I have a lot of flags. I like having, so you can't see my ceiling. I have the flags all pinned up there. Then I have jerseys. I have a USA wall where I have a Stockton, a Jordan. I have a USA lacrosse jersey. I have a uh, 2002 Nagano Olympics USA nice. jersey. And then I have a little bit shelf of memorabilia where I'm a big Jurassic Park guy. I named my kid after a dinosaur. Shout out to my son, Theo. Theo Rex. And I have a bunch of, like, 
cool Jurassic Park stuff. I saw some Jurassic Park stuff here. And I was like, I think I might yeah, <laughs> yeah. buy one of these things. So you know what's funny about this show, right? Yeah. Is you set this whole thing up, you yeah, yeah, you, you promote it, you get me here. And I bet you there's nobody here that spends more money than you when you get to these damn shows. Me and my buddy Chris here, for sure. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, Nate. You're totally right. And being able to do things, like you talked about the uniqueness of this event, having to be able to decorate your fan cave at your house with what you want. Uh, There's a guy selling uh, game-used Bandits jerseys here that we saw. I've never seen that guy before. So that's a cool new thing. And lacrosse is hotter than ever. Of course, the Bandits are the champs right now, all that good stuff. But it's... Like you said, it's not just cards. It's not just memorabilia. It's a mix of both, and you can you can decorate your house. You can you know make your space at your house be you know how you want it to look with a lot of items from the show. Yeah, and that's the thing I've always appreciated about the show is there is new stuff every year. If you mm-hmm. want apparel, there's jerseys, there's hoodies, there's you had coats last time. They're like really I had coats, cool. yeah, right. like yeah. that was that was a that was a pretty sweet stand. You had I last sold time. a few. I had bedding. I sold some. Uh, Dallas Cowboys twin betting that I had purchased and picked up. Um, you know, some of those jerseys you mentioned, some of them are framed, some of them are not framed. Yep. Um, so you can do what you want. Uh, you know, any of these local uh, craft places, they'll, they'll frame your jerseys for you for a reasonable price. And uh, you can just pick up the, the raw jersey here before you go get it framed. So uh, I got, uh, I see a lot of Leafs fans, a lot of people wearing their Leafs hats and uh they got their. Um, well, it's the time, stuff. you know. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got Wendell Clark here, yeah. up on up on stage signing Dar- autographs. Daryl right Sittler, up, yeah, that's right. Up until uh, one for Clark and Daryl Sittler until one thirty. You know, this week uh, earlier this week was the was it the fiftieth anniversary. 20th, 40th, 40th anniversary of the um, Miracle on Ice. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I wonder because of the anniversary, I, maybe. Maybe a good a good time to hop down here and see what kind of old USA hockey stuff is on the floor because I guarantee there's something out there. There's a guy that usually, and, and again, this isn't something that like every single guy has, but I would say a lot of the shops that are doing the the main posters, like the 16 by 20s, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like a 22 by 28. There's always the classic one of uh, there's Mike Aronzioni, is that how you say it? Aronzioni, yep, Aronzioni, yep. and uh, Jim Craig, who's the goalie. Right, so you've got uh, you've got one because he had a kind of like um, not like the Jason mask, but he kind of had like a little bit of an iconic. It said U.S. It said USA across it, but I'm not mistaken. And they have like a, a team photo of that with as many guys that you know were alive and, and kicking that could have signed it at the time. So those um, those you'll see in a couple spots here for sure. It was so 1980. So we're at the 44th anniversary. Is it 44th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Ma- not good with years. No. Math, 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 math is, not is tough. No, that's why I'm on the radio. You know, <laughs> they, you they never asked me to do math on the radio. I just read off of a card. You right, know? It's, right. Um, it's funny, too, is we're, we're, we're looking up here at the TVs here at Batavia Downs, right where the stage is in Syracuse basketball. It's Jim Baham. By the way, it's 42 to 16 now. Um, looking at some of the alumni that are, that are in the arena um, and guys that are there that, you know, are my era. Sure. Uh, you know, Hakeem Warwick, who is whew, I mean, one, of, one of my favorites. Andy Routens, the they block. just showed. Yep. Uh, Andy Routens' dad is actually. Uh, he does radio up in Toronto, right? Because fr- he's Canadian. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good day to be down here if you want to watch some sports while you're checking out the the, the floor, and then walk over to the casino because you're going to buy ten dollars to get admission into the show floor. You're going to get ten dollars back in gaming. You can walk over, 
spend some money over there. You can hit up uh, Thurman's 34 Rushes here. Thurman's going to be here tomorrow, too. That's right. And, you know, Chris and I were just having lunch in there, and it was nicely packed. You know, we got the big, huge screen, 16 feet across, whatever it is, watching the start of the Syracuse game, watching, unfortunately, my soccer team blow it in the last minute, but that's life. Um, such is life. Such is life. But, uh, you know, it's it's a great place to kind of go, and we'll have live music tonight. Uh, I'll be here probably hanging out most of the day and tonight because I'm back tomorrow, so I figured oh, I'll stick around tonight as well. So there'll be, uh, I think there's live music tonight, or we have a DJ. You know, there's always something going on in 34 Rush. Uh, but, you know, the, this show goes all the way until 4 o'clock today, so you got plenty of time to come down. You know, you were talking, Nate, earlier about the um, – about the best beers, right? Yeah. And we yeah. talked about that basement beer. But I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm thinking of all the people that I'm sure are having a great day out with their friends. You know, the, uh, the tournament this year, uh, last year was in Albany. Uh, that's yes. where one of the East Coast ones. Well, this yep. year it's in Pittsburgh. And next not year, far. Not far. Next year is Cleveland, and the year after, back in Buffalo. Well, this coming uh, March, I think it's March 20th or 21st, when they're in Pittsburgh, three-and-a-half-hour drive from Hamburg, and I've got a group of four guys and myself. We're driving down there. you got to do it. And that's going to yeah. be a good first beer, too. That first, oh, man, yeah. yeah. That, that first NCAA beer. March Madness game beer is. Yeah. Because, you know, listen, with March Madness, it's outside of all of the awesome opportunities to for betting, you know, which oh, I love course, doing. Yes. Um, and Pennsylvania has betting, so you can go down there. You can still yep, bet while you're there. All yep, good. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, just March Madness is the special time of year. Because I, I just remember in high school, I had this great teacher, Mr. Akinfor, was our, was my teacher in high school. And, you know, he's retired now, so I'm allowed to tell the story. Sure. Because uh, no, <laughs> there, there won't be any consequences for him. But he used to have a couple of the guys, big, the big basketball guys that would come in. He'd put, you know, testing in progress on the door, have the TV up, and he'd have an antenna that would go out the window so right. we could pick up the cable nice. and we'd watch March Madness in his room. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and that was, you know, we get the little, the pass for the day, hey, we're in, you know, we're headed down to Mr. Agafor's room, we got to, Got to do some testing. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Testing in progress. So right. Do not disturb. Nobody open the door. Knock three times. You from, know, kind from of from twelve till three. That's we're, right. We're yeah, we are. We here. are. Uh, we're doing. We're doing very important business <laughs> in this room. So yeah, uh, NCAA tournament coming up here. Um, conference tournament play is, you know, right around the right corner around too. The corner, absolutely. Um, it's crazy this time of year. Um, because, you know, you get to the end of February, and then March happens, and when March Madness kicks off, it's like all of a sudden the draft's here, then OTAs, the NHL and NBA playoffs, then you've got, you know, Major League Baseball. comes out. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. so all it just, it, it's all, uh, it, it all rolls downhill once we hit uh, once we hit the start of March, which I'm looking forward to. What You know, outside of, obviously, this great show today, um, any cool events you guys got running up here in the next couple of weeks here at Batavia Downs? Yeah, so we just announced uh, a couple of days ago our Furball, which is a uh, our second year of that it's a fundraiser for some local animal shelters we like doing stuff we have a lot of animal lovers that are in our office upstairs and next week we're going to officially go live with the three big events that surround the triple crown we've got our kentucky derby that's party right, that's, that's coming, coming down that's the coming shoe too, shoe. Yeah. Yep. we got our tacos and tequila event alongside the preakness and then our bourbon and barbie or excuse me our bourbon and whiskey fest that goes alongside the belmont but something i think that's going to interest some of your listeners and i know it'll probably interest bulldog is we are going to be having record riot here at the end of march we're going to be having a show just like this, Nate, just like with the vendors that are selling sports memorabilia, but they're going to have records, and they're going to have music memorabilia, and they're going to have vinyl records. Well, that they're going to have, sounds I'm sure, 8-tracks awesome, yeah. and cassettes and CDs and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, vinyl's catching on again, even with young people. And I know that they have events in and around New York. Uh, this guy that's uh, running the show, he does shows all over the Northeast, actually. And we met and, and talked, uh, and I had him come out when he was passing through town. And so we're excited to have our first ever 
Record Riot event, which is basically a vinyl um, vendor show. So there'll be, again, tons of tables. You can browse through those things. Uh, if you go to BataviaConcerts.com, that's where you buy tickets for a lot of our events. That particular event is on the guy's own website, so you go to the Record Riot website to buy that, those tickets. But you can always check out our website at BataviaDonsGaming.com to stay up to date on all the events we have. We're also going to be announcing our Eclipse party pretty soon. Oh, that's right. That's April April 8th? 8th, yes. Yes, right. yep. so at 319 here in Batavia, we will have 3 minutes and 43 seconds of total totality uh, with the moon passing in front of the sun. And you'll be able to stand in this room where we are right now and listen to Nerds Gone Wild. I got nerds. I booked the nerds at 1 in the afternoon wow. on a Monday. Might be their first 1 in the afternoon gig. <laughs> I'll have to talk to Eddie and find out if that's the case. But they're going to be playing from 1 till 3, and then at 3 o'clock we're going to have everybody come outside. Hopefully it's as clear as it is oh today, God, Nate, yeah, out there. Perfect. And you can enjoy watching the Eclipse from the middle of the Batavia Downs track where you would sit for our summer concert series. Tickets on sale now for the concert series. Smash Mouth going to be here, by the way, uh, for the summer concert series. And... Uh, inside of here, we're also going to have sampling with a lot of places are doing Eclipse-themed beers. Rohrbach Brewing, mm. Three Heads. Yep. They're collaborating on an Eclipse beer. There's an Eclipse wine. Snapple has an Eclipse flavor coming out. Interesting. And then I'm going to have uh, our friends from Tops, which we met with. They were uh, kind enough to, uh, to talk to us, and they're going to be helping sponsor that event. We're going to have Milky Way bars and Sun Chips and Sunkissed and Starry and any food that any you can think of. Any food that is a themed, moon, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. moon, sun, solar system, whatever. We're going to have samples, and you're going to enjoy the nerds, and then you're going to watch something that's just going to blow your mind, man, because I have never seen one in person, but from what I hear, you know, people are like, ah, oh, it's just the moon passing in front of the sun. No, dude, it's going to be like nighttime during the day, yeah. and all the bees and the birds and, like, everything goes nuts at that time. Like, animals don't know what's going on. It's very kind of crazy. You just think about what our ancestors must have thought. Yeah, right, watching there, like, all right, well, that's yeah, it, guys. That's we'll it. We're all <laughs> Pack it up. Yeah. Pack so, it up. It's been a good run. <laughs> right. You know? Oh, and everybody gets free uh, glasses here, those ISO-certified Eclipse glasses. Nice. We're going to be giving those away. So details coming from all these great events uh, coming up here. It's nonstop fun and action out of Batavia Downs. Awesome. Appreciate you, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, I'm Nate Geary. I'm live here from Batavia Downs. We've got another hour to go here. And in that, in this last hour that will be on air, uh, Lawrence Taylor, uh, LT. LT. Uh, man, I mean, one of the... <laughs> craziest MFers I've ever seen. Tech uh, yeah. legend. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> uh, Pepper Johnson at 1 o'clock as well. They'll both be on stage together. Um, and then we've got some actors here. It's uh, Joe Pantoliano, yes, uh, formerly of the Sopranos. Sopranos. Ralph. Uh, Ralph, yep. unfortunately, met his end. Uh, he, he made Tony mad, and Tony... Uh, took him apart. We'll just say that. Uh, so Ralph, took him apart. Ralph was no longer with us. Uh, That's very radio appropriate, <laughs> yeah. by the way. But uh, Joe's here. He was Cipher in the Matrix. He was in La Bamba. He was one of the Fratellis in the Goonies. Uh, he's he's super cool, and he's he's going to be here. Then DB Sweeney from uh, Fire in the Sky, and of course he played Shoeless Joe Jackson in Eight Men Out yeah. with John Cusack, and I think Charlie Sheen was in that movie too. Possibly, but then and then we're finishing yes. off with uh, yeah. uh, wrestler and actor. By the way, wrestler and actor Kevin Nash. Of course, he's part of the NWO Wolfpack, original NWO and uh, wrestling big WWE uh, WCW guy. But Kevin Nash, for those of you who don't know, was the Super Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two. You can get a Funko Pop like I am signed by Kevin Nash, and he was also uh, the one of the bad guys in uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. Oh, oh, 
He was the guy that came through the wall, the blonde guy that had on the red and white striped shirt that okay, yes. couldn't be stopped. Yes. That's Kevin Nash. No kidding. Yeah, so yeah, that guy was. He was a he was a B. A. Huh? He was a B. A. He, in that he gets movie. he gets the boiling hot water put up. Uh, yeah, yes, that's yes. right. That's, that's a great, great movie. That's one of my favorite. Uh, I love that person. All right, uh, today's <laughs> show goes until four o'clock tomorrow, ten to three on Sunday. Kids twelve and under. Our free admission is ten dollars, and you get ten dollars back in free play. We'll be back on the other side. The one o'clock hour. Will Parkinson's going to join us. We're going to talk Jets. Uh, and maybe I'll talk some trash about Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? <laughs> Nick, you're here live from Batavia Downs on WGR. All right, quick in and out here. I am live, Nick Erie here live on Sports Talk Saturday from Batavia Downs. We are at the Legends and Stars Sports Memorabilia Show here at Batavia Downs. And just a quick reminder, it's going into the 1 o'clock hour. That means we've got Daryl Sittler still on stage right now until 1.30. Lawrence Taylor, former New York Giant Hall of Famer, he starts at 1 o'clock. So in just a moment or two, Pepper Johnson as well at 1 p.m. I'm going to take a timeout on the other side. Will Parkinson, he's the host of the TOJ pod, the Turn on the Jets podcast. We are going to talk Jets, AFC East football, all that's coming up next here. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR.